0: Good morning, Grumlaw Church. Hope we are all doing well today. Uh, So good to be standing in front of all of you right now. If you're new around here, we mean it uh, when we say thank you thank you for giving us a chance. We do not take it for granted that you would carve out a little bit of time and uh, spend it here with us. Uh, I also want to brag on, on a bunch of you today. Uh, last Sunday uh, was Owner Sunday. What Owner Sunday is, we do this a couple times a year. Where we give all of you an opportunity who would call this place your church home, uh, an opportunity to not just be attenders, but actually owners and, and specifically playing a role in what it is that we do here on Sunday mornings and, and joining a serve team. And, and in one Sunday last week, uh, between both campuses, we saw around 80 new people jump on, on a team. And that's obviously really, really exciting uh, because it goes without saying that this place wouldn't exist without the owners who give so selflessly of their time, uh, their talents, their resources. It takes actually, uh, a lot of you don't know this, it takes around 160 people just to pull off Sunday mornings each week, again, uh, between our campuses. And so again, thank you for being a faith community that doesn't just listen and go, uh-huh, and you know nod in agreement, but actually puts into practice uh, what it is that is presented through God's word. Now, if you're sitting and you're watching right now, you're like, perfect, I wasn't here last week, so I didn't join a team. Uh, no, don't take like the, the easy way out in that regard. We want to invite you to jump on board with this as well. Uh, you can just head to grumlod.com discover and uh, sign up for a team there. Uh, And seriously, we hope that you will take advantage of that. Uh, This entire experience comes to life in ways that you'll never otherwise experience until you join a team, until you begin to play a role in what God is doing around here. In that vein, uh, we are continuing this morning in a series that we began uh, right at the beginning of the year, titled Following Jesus 101. Uh, This series is actually going to take us all the way to Easter as we examine uh, what have most traditionally been referred to as spiritual disciplines throughout church history. Uh, But because for so many people, discipline can carry a rather negative connotation and spiritual can actually be somewhat misleading as we're examining habits of both mind and body, uh, we're instead opting for the language practices of Jesus. Uh, We're examining those rhythms that made up Jesus's day-to-day life. And then like Jesus, we're inviting you to adopt them as your own. Now, uh, candidly, you might be wondering, especially if you're new to all this, like, well, why would why would we do that? Well, well, as it turns out, everyone, and I, I do mean everyone, wants the life that Jesus modeled, the the, the life that, that is summarized so well in, in Matthew's gospel account, Matthew's biographical account of the life of Jesus. Uh, this is kind of our, our theme verse for the series. Jesus said, come to me, all of you, and again, you're included in that all, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and he says, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So, so isn't that true? Every single person watching right now, you'd like an easier, a lighter, a more restful life. But for so many of us, we're unwilling to adopt the lifestyle that leads to said life. But, but as we've driven home ad, ad nauseum throughout the series, that there aren't any shortcuts in this regard. If you want the life that Jesus had, then, then you have to do what Jesus did. And for those of you who already find yourselves maybe getting a little bit defensive because inherently you don't like being told what to do, uh, we've reminded you that Jesus doesn't actually command you to do this stuff. He, he rather just does these things and then invites you to adopt these practices as your own. So, if you're tracking with me, the God of the universe who, oh, by the way, would get off of his throne in heaven for you, that's just how for you he is, he, he invites you to receive his lifestyle as, as an invitation. So to reiterate, not control and coercion, it's example and invitation. So, so, so to this point, we've talked about reading and studying scripture, prayer, silent solitude, and meditation. Uh, last week, as already alluded to, we spoke about service and sacrifice. Uh, if you've missed any of those weeks uh, in this series, you can always conveniently get yourself caught up at Grumlaw.com messages. Or you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you grab your podcast. Now, now, let's get moving on to today's practice of Jesus, which is titled Simplicity. Uh, quick observation here as we dive in. This will easily be the most resisted of all the disciplines of all the practices of Jesus that we explore in this series. Uh, But interestingly enough, most of you, uh, you won't find yourself disagreeing with with the word that I present today. You'll you'll nod your heads in agreement. Some of you will even be so bold to say out loud, amen. But, But as you really examine your own heart, As you examine your motives, as you examine the implications of this practice and what it would mean to actually follow Jesus in this area, what obedience in this area actually looks like, and come on, more importantly, how much differently you would have to live your life by comparison to virtually everyone else around you. Most of you, and I'm not saying this to be cynical, uh, certainly not saying it to be passive aggressive, it's it's just that experience has, has shown us as much. Most of you We'll make a couple short-term tweaks and eventually, and honestly pretty quickly, get sucked back into the consumer vortex. See, it's easy to make bold declarations after a sermon like this where where you're feeling especially convicted, like, I'm gonna gonna sell some of my stuff. I'm gonna spend less money on Amazon. I'm gonna get rid of one of my streaming services. But, But what about just deleting Amazon altogether? What about... Punting on all of your streaming platforms. What about getting rid of literally everything that you have not used in the last twelve months? It's like, well, that's that's crazy talk. I mean, we're not Amish. Nobody actually lives that way. So, so let's back it up maybe just a little bit. Let's get to the tension of all of this. Why Jesus would, for instance, very intentionally say things like this. And again, just a couple of examples. He says, I tell you the truth. Again, Jesus speaking. It's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and as Americans, we're, we're included in that category, the, the rich people. He says, I'll say it again. It's easier for, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. It's like, that, that'd be pretty difficult. Than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, on another occasion, Jesus says, beware. Guard against every kind of greed. Life and this is like an uh-oh for, for, again, every American. Life is not measured by how much you you own. Now, many of you, you've been led to believe that God is a God who is anti-fun. And ultimately, uh, the reason that Jesus would say these types of things is, is an overflow of his anti-fun nature. And, and because God hates fun, well, naturally, he, he doesn't care much for money and, and consumerism because those are paths, well, t- to fun. Foundational to basically everything that would come out of Jesus's mouth. Foundational to basically everything, all the teachings contained within this book is the fact that God is actually for you. So, so, so as it would turn out, he's not anti-fun. He's, he's actually anti-pain. He's anti-embarrassment. He's anti-regret. He's anti-undermining your future because again, he is for you and, and he doesn't want all of that stuff wreaking havoc on your life. And so he offers these teachings not to restrict you, but instead to protect you. Think about that loving parent that reminds their child to, to look both ways before crossing the road. It's not anti-fun. It's like, no, anti-you getting hit by a car. And, and one of the things that Jesus would regularly remind people of, that, that we actually all deep down know, is what a terrible master money, stuff, and, and possessions are. Or, or the word to kind of encapsulate all of that, money, stuff, and possessions, the the word that that we see pop up all over the pages of Scripture that, that honestly, we don't really have a great English translation for because saying money, stuff, and possessions is just kind of a bit of a mouthful, uh, is this word mammon. Most of the time, in fact, in our English Bibles, the translators just slap in the word money. uh, But again, money kind of falls short. It's it's actually talking about, again, money, stuff, uh, material possessions, all that is material wealth. And the reason that I'm pointing this out is because for, for some of you, uh, some of the Christians in particular that, that are watching right now, you can think that you're following Jesus really well in this area because you happen to give a percentage of your income. You give some of your money back to the local church. So naturally, you're kind of like patting yourself on the back for how you're handling your money. But, but what, about all, what about all that stuff? What, what about like all your, your possessions? Does all of that fall in line with the teachings and, more importantly, the example of Jesus? Let's take a peek at Jesus's, what I think is probably his most poignant teaching on this topic and take note of that new word that you just learned this morning, mammon. Jesus says this, he says, no one, so not some, like no one can serve two masters. He's so direct here. He says, for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal, it's a key word, loyal to the one and despise the other. And then again, just notice how direct he is here. You cannot serve, you cannot serve God and mammon, material wealth, possessions, money, stuff. You you, you cannot serve God and mammon. Now, if you grew up in church, uh, you've heard this passage read and, and, and taught on many, many times. And there's, there's a propensity to complicate what Jesus is getting at here. And I would invite us this morning, uh, don't overthink it. Now, Jesus means exactly what he's saying. He's saying, hey, you can't serve two masters. The, the, the reality is, for most of us watching right now, we just have too much stuff in our lives that precludes us from living at a God-designed pace. Now this isn't true of the entire world, but it's certainly true of those living in first world countries. It's certainly true of Americans. It's certainly true of every person watching right now. You literally just have too much stuff vying for your attention. You, as you know, are, are a finite human being with only so much time, so much availability, a limited capacity. And, and most of us have so much stuff that we can't possibly expect to have a healthy relationship with God while also keeping up with like all of that stuff. And, and so it's not that, that like stuff and possessions are, are bad. T- too often actually people that do what I do for a living would lead people to believe that having, for instance, like a boat is, is bad. That, that buying a video game console for your kid is, is evil, that, that watching television is, is bad. Well, most of that stuff in and of itself isn't necessarily evil or, or bad. It's, it's that we just have too much of all of that. Let me poke at technology for a second. You, you don't just have a TV, right? You have subscriptions to five different streaming services. You literally have a glowing rectangle in your pocket that, oh, by the way, you look at on an average of 2,200 times every single day. You also have the video game console. You also have the laptop. You have have a lot of stuff. And it's not possible, what what Jesus is reiterating here, it's not possible to have all of that and a rich, abiding relationship with God. You're you're just spread too thin. You simply don't have enough margin. And and Jesus's words here, and I think we would all agree, uh, these haven't become less pertinent but right, like even more pertinent given the technological advancements that have come our way since the dawn of the first century. More than anything else, remember, Jesus just wants a relationship with you. And he knows that relationship will never flourish. It won't even take root if he's constantly competing with all of your stuff. So, so back to our verse. He, he's not insinuating that you're going home at night and, and literally like worshiping all of your mammon, like you spread out all of your possessions and you like bow at their altar. That's actually a very nearsighted way to look at it. And honestly, uh, it excuses us of the real problem that Jesus is getting at here because we literally think to ourselves, "Well, because I don't literally worship this stuff, uh, I'm not included in this. That this is rather a conversation of attention. You, you serve what you give your attention to. You're loyal to what you give your attention to. You are, this is the harshest, but also the truest way of saying it, you are a slave to what you give your attention to. And most of us, and I'm choosing my words intentionally there, most of the people watching right now, without even realizing, I might add, have chosen our stuff, our mammon, our possessions over God. So so Jesus knows that if he has any chance of having a real and intimate, a, a real authentic relationship with you, just like the one that he has with his heavenly father, that, then, then we gotta get some, not all, but some of that stuff out of the way, or at least under control. Now, now if mammon is the biblical word to describe this idol uh, that exists in a lot of our lives, then consumerism uh, would be the 21st century American way of describing it and the mode that mammon most commonly rears its, its ugly head. To drive home a point that I have been making uh, often over the last couple of years, consumerism is the most tolerated sin in the American church. Uh, Full disclosure, and again, just for example, um, I'm acknowledging and just being brutally honest right now, I I have no problem with and and in fact often do have conversations with couples that that are living together before marriage. And we sit down and we talk about how, how this not only hurts their relationship, but, but their relationship with God as well. And in fact, I usually just point to like one statistic in particular that uh, the, the, the likelihood of divorce increases by 50% for couples who cohabitate before marriage. That's not like a Christian stat, that's just, that's just data. I, I routinely speak with men r- regarding what type of content they're allowing themselves to listen to and, and to watch. I have regular conversations, for instance, with people in this faith community regarding addictions, addictions of all shapes and, and forms. But, but admittedly, I'm just acknowledging to you, it feels kind of different. It just feels, it feels strange to talk to someone about their Amazon problem. It, it would feel odd to, to call up a volunteer at this church and ask them to explain like, hey, why did, why did you lease that new vehicle? And there are many reasons why those conversations are, are rare to come by as opposed to, for instance, sexual sin. But, but the most simplistic way of, of looking at it is that consumerism has just been, been normalized. Again, it, it's the most tolerated sin in the American church. What, what early followers would have been absolutely appalled by, it doesn't even cause us to blush, but we have to realize that conformity to a sick societal standard is still to be sick. So so what practice then does Jesus model that that pushes back against greed and and consumerism and, and mammon? Better question actually. How do we ensure that our loyalty isn't divided and we're available to experience the richness of true relationship with Jesus as he intended, as God designed us to be? It's not a question. I already told you. It's, it's simplicity. Simplicity is, is an inward reality that results in an outward lifestyle. And, and the order of that is certainly worth emphasizing. For a lot of Christians, we begin to alter our outward lifestyle, but yet we've done little to examine and, and reorient our, our hearts. Now, again, as already alluded to, Jesus offers a extensive dialogue and conversation and teaching on this topic of mammon. In fact, it's one of the most common topics that he would teach on. Uh, this actually being one of those instances where, again, he says, you know, you can either serve God or you can serve mammon, but you can't serve those two masters. And at the end of that teaching, he, he says these words. He, he says, so don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? And, and what are we going to wear? And, and all of us, right? We can relate to that. Like We, we worry about those things he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, people that, that don't know if God cares, that don't know if God sees them, that, that they don't know if God like cares enough to actually wade into our mess and get involved. He says, but your, your heavenly father, he already knows all, all your needs. So he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and, and live righteously, which is Uh, just a fancy way of saying right living, living in accordance with the words that are contained within this book. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously according to this text, and and he will give you everything you need. And and this right here is kind of like the ding, ding, ding moment for this message. The central point for the practice of simplicity is to seek the kingdom of God and the right living associated with said kingdom first, and then, and only then, Will everything fall into its proper place? As we've been asking in the series, do you want to merely be a believer, or are you committed to actually following him? Focus first on his kingdom, and simplicity won't feel like a chore, it'll feel like worship, a necessary and an appropriate response to the great lengths that God has gone to in order to win you back. Remember, church, the the end for these practices of Jesus aren't the practices themselves. The end is rich, abiding, intimate relationship with Jesus. We're seeking his kingdom first, and as such, living simpler becomes a natural overflow. Admittedly, some areas more natural than others, because we have tasted the richness of true relationship with Jesus. And and the more we taste, the the more we want. We long to live simpler because we recognize how mammon robs from that relationship. It becomes increasingly apparent how our loyalty is divided. And as you seek his kingdom first, as you seek his kingdom above all else, something, and I'm not just saying this, something really beautiful begins to happen. It's more freeing than you can possibly imagine. Increasingly, you come to realize that everything, everything is a gift from God. Everything in your life is a gift from God. Not some of it, but literally all of it. And, and when you come to this realization, it, it frees you to live simpler. To, to be content, frankly, with less. It, it's an inward spirit of trust that, hey, it all came from God in the first place. So, so I'm going to be content whether whether I have a lot or, or not much at all. Don't miss this. Simplicity is is freedom. Duplicity is bondage. Simplicity brings joy and balance. Duplicity brings anxiety and fear. So so how do we go about setting our our possessions into their proper order and, and perspective? We're right now, very practically, going to look at some ways to reorient our lives so that possessions can be genuinely enjoyed without destroying us and our relationship with God. And and quick disclaimer on this, uh, I pulled many of these, in fact, most of these, right from this book that we've been telling you to pick up, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster, uh, available at both of our physical locations, uh, or you can obviously order it wherever books are sold. Uh, And again, I want to continue to encourage you, buy this book, and and then don't just buy it, actually, actually read it, okay? So... Let's walk through some of these. Uh, Number one, kind of sits head and shoulders above the rest, practice percentage giving. Now, I'm gonna actually be pretty brief here because uh, we have an entire week coming up where I'm gonna speak specifically to this. Uh, But I think it has to be mentioned here because you can't practice simplicity without contributing to God's chosen instrument to take the message of his son, the life-changing, eternity-transforming message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And and there's a big difference between tipping and, and tithing. Uh, tipping is, is virtually where everyone starts and there's nothing wrong with it. It's typically emotionally driven. Uh, it's typically typically reactionary. You do it when you're like, ah, I, I guess I got to probably put like a $20, a, you know, $10 bill in here today, But but it doesn't have much of a plan. Uh, It's not going to do much for the condition of your heart, whereas tithing and true biblical tithing would be 10% of your gross pay back to the local church, because again, that is the vehicle that God has chosen to take his message to the ends of the earth. So we as followers of Jesus contribute to that. Uh, Tithing, biblical tithing is, is 10%. But what I often say around here is that like, if you haven't been practicing this, it's, it's just probably not realistic. You're going to go from 0 to 10% overnight. I, I think it would be great if you did. So we just say pick a percentage. H- have a plan. Literally calculate 3%, 5%, 6% of your gross income and begin to contribute uh, on a weekly, biweekly, monthly basis back to what God is doing in this world. You can't practice simplicity in other areas but but continue to turn a blind eye to your actual money. And it can't be overstated how much easier these practices will become if if you take this step. Uh, If anything I just said on that offends you, please come back in a couple of weeks when we'll talk about this uh, more at length. Number two, uh, buy things for their usefulness rather than their status. Uh, Cars, for example, should be bought for their utility, not their prestige. Will two rooms work just fine? So so why are you considering the five-bedroom house? Stop trying to impress people with your dress and instead impress them with your life. Uh, This right here, by the way, will eliminate about 90% of your frivolous, unnecessary purchases if if you run them through this filter. Uh, Number three, reject anything that is producing an addiction in you. So for instance, and I'm going to pick on technology here, if you're spending, and this is a somewhat arbitrary number, but if you're spending, let's call it four plus hours a day on your phone. It's probably time to like wage war against that thing and and downgrade to like a dumb phone, a flip phone. Increasingly, this is actually becoming a trend in our culture because the more data and studies uh, reveal this, the fact that like basically phones are just like undermining our future. If you watch television for 20 plus hours a week, it, it might be time to, you know, take that thing off the wall or at least cancel all those subscriptions, Learn to distinguish between real needs and, and full-blown addictions. Uh, for a lot of people who are watching right now, bring in, I know I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers. I mentioned this earlier. It's time to get rid of Prime because the reality is most of what you are buying on Amazon, it's not needed. It, 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 it's impulsive, I think I need this, I want this pur- purchases. It, it's crazy the number of couples that I will sit down with, and we'll just talk very practically how their finances are out of control, and the most obvious area, honestly, is just, it's it's Amazon. And I say, well, maybe you should just get rid of Amazon. The pushback I get on this is like, whoa, P- put limits and downtime on your phone. Again, it's like, you don't have to wonder how much time you're spending staring at that glowing rectangle. It will literally tell you now. and, and, and I don't really know why, because I thought the whole purpose of these companies was to get you to look at that thing even longer, but, but you can quite literally put limits and down times on your phone. So I've shared about this before. I'll be brief very practically every single day. For me, at six o'clock, my phone shuts down, and it's just like a hard shutdown. I can't use any of those time-wasting apps. The only way that I could get more time on them would be by going to my wife and asking her to punch in that four-digit code, and because she loves me, she usually says no. Remember, simplicity is freedom, not slavery. Refuse to be a slave to anything but God. Number four, uh, develop a habit of giving things away. And, uh, and not just the junk that you don't use anymore, not just like the sweatshirt that you haven't worn since high school. In, in fact, here's a good exercise. If you find yourself becoming attached to a certain material possession, seriously, uh, just give it to someone else who needs it. But pay attention to how hard that is. And, and also the liberation that you feel afterwards. Uh, a couple of personal habits that, that, that I have in my life, um, and this is always scary saying this one out loud because people, they they like to test you on it in the coming days and weeks. Uh, When somebody compliments me on something that I'm wearing, they say, hey, I like that sweatshirt, or I like that hat, or whatever it might be. Uh, I've developed this personal habit of literally just in that moment, taking it off my back, taking it off my head, and just handing it to them, say, hey, it's yours now. Uh, Something that my wife and I practice. Every time something new comes into our home, and unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, depending on how you want to look at it, uh, it's usually clothing. Uh, We have this practice that three items of clothing go out or if a new item comes into my garage, that means three things are going back out of the garage to develop a habit of giving things away. Number five, uh, refuse to upgrade. Let's say it, church. Refuse to upgrade. Death to upgrading. There is such a pull in our society to get to the newest and, and the best. And again, this really ties back to that second point we were talking about. If it still works, why are we upgrading? It was several years ago now. Uh, the ice machine on our rather old refrigerator, it just stopped working. I, I don't know what's going on. It just doesn't produce ice anymore. And, and you would not believe the number of people that come over to our house and they're like, well, you got to get a new fridge. We're like, nope, we're, we're, we're going old school. We're, we're rocking ice trays. We will survive. Like This thing still keeps food cold. We are not upgrading our refrigerator. Uh, you want to know what, what really indicts us on this one? Ready? The parking lot on Sunday mornings. That is what... Discomfort feels like in the local church. Most of you, you just keep upgrading your vehicle when your last one it ran just fine. N- number six, learn to enjoy things without actually owning them. So you borrow, you, you rent. D- do you really need that second home, or is, or is Verbo still like a website? It is right. Uh, I want to read a quote again from this book, Celebration of Discipline. Owning things is an obsession in our culture. If we own it, we feel we control it, and if we can control it, we feel it will give us more pleasure. That idea is an illusion. Uh, Number seven, spend more time in God's creation. Translation here, very simple, uh, get outside more. Cultivate hobbies that that force you to marvel at God's handiwork. Uh, Walks in the woods or or, or kayaks down a river Trump's scrolling through Instagram every day of the week. Number eight, uh, reject debt of any kind. Now, I want to be very careful with this one uh, because I don't want people to hear me wrong in this. I don't think, for instance, that it's sinful to have a mortgage. I don't think it's sinful to have school loans. Uh, that There are times, I believe, where, where, where debt is appropriate. But I'll but also say scripture is really, really clear that debt should be avoided at all costs. So, so things like credit card debt, buy now, pay later schemes, like hard no on that stuff. And the number nine, it's the final one. If you're wondering why nine, there's no good reason for it. Uh, Shun anything that distracts you from seeking first the kingdom of God. If it has the potential of assuming first place in your life, reject it. Hard no. Because after all, if anything else is first, then you're not really practicing simplicity. Church, this practice is, admittedly, uh, it's more noticeable it's more public than, than a lot of these other practices of Jesus, than a lot of these other disciplines. Uh, people will notice, it will stand out. And, and I'm just telling you, people will make comments. Loved ones will say things like, it seems like you're taking this Christianity thing a little bit too far. But, but, but let me encourage you, a, a raised eyebrow, <laughs> a, a passive aggressive comment directed your way, that, that's probably one of the clearest indicators that you're actually headed in the right direction. As followers of Jesus, we are supposed to look different. We're not supposed to blend in. In fact, blend in here, and it's, it's almost guaranteed that, that you're serving mammon and, and not God. Instead, seek the kingdom of God above all else and, and live righteously. And he, your, your, your God that, that cares so much about you that he would get off of his throne in heaven, he will give you everything you need.